Welcome to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now, here's a message from Pastor Jim Cobray. They're good. And you're good for being here tonight. So thank God you're here. I'm excited about being here because I love church. If you love church, come on, give the Lord a great big praise. Debbie and I, if you've been wondering, a lot of people have been wondering, we actually get some phone calls from people in the congregation. This is ringing really bad up here, so help me out. And uh, so we got phone calls from people asking, gee, where are you? We were gone for a month and a half in a motorhome that has probably less than 150 to 200 square feet in it. And we were there 24-7 for a month and a half. You know, it was was amazing. I still have that ring, so help me. Come on, guys. And so uh, I just want you to know that Debbie and I are more in love today than we were when we left. I mean, it was absolutely amazing. We had, we had giggles, we laughed, we were like two kids, you know. We couldn't go anywhere, you can't fight, where are you gonna go, in the potty? I mean, it's like, you know, so you just gotta deal with things. And we actually, you know, after 40 some odd years of marriage, actually love each other more than we've ever loved each other. She sends her, her greetings, her mom's dying, so we put her on a plane at six in the morning in, uh, out of uh, Ontario to fly to Seattle. And she said that her mother was there when she took her first breath. And she wants to be with her mother when she takes her last. It was her mother that led her to the Lord. Her mother was a church secretary. And uh, so she is with her mom and have an amazing time. Her mom is just gone, she's in hospice. But she keeps waking up talking to Debbie and then going back to sleep. And, and, you know, it's just amazing what's going on. So God's good. She's coming home tomorrow. Then she'll probably go back up. But anyway, uh, I have missed her, and so I'm happy to see her tomorrow. I want to just share some things with you that's been on my heart for the last couple of weeks. When we were gone, you know, we were gone, and we were visiting a lot of different churches and a lot of different places. And uh, I, at my age, I don't say as much as I used to say. I like to watch things and, and evaluate things and sit back and listen more than speak. And I find myself oftentimes looking at people that are Christians and then being able to see what is in their life, what's good, what's bad, why aren't they successful, why are they successful, things such as that. And, and then one of the things that impressed me so much over these last couple of months is I've been able to see something that I thought God would want to have shared here at the Rock Church World Outreach Center. See, God wants to bless you. But he can't always bless you unless you live a certain kind of a lifestyle. Because if you live the wrong kind of a lifestyle and he blessed you, you would stay in that wrong style thinking it's right. I hope you heard that. And so what happens is God doesn't always bless us because we're Christians. God blesses us because we're in the right flow with him. Uh, oftentimes I'd be in different church services and I, I tell you, I just, maybe I'm just whatever. I just want you to know, I don't think there's any place like the Rock Church World Outreach Center. It's just unbelievable. I, I, they're great churches. We thank God for all the churches. It was wonderful being in churches. 
But, you know, I was sitting there saying, oh, God, look at this. I mean, the worship is like, oh, this and that. I'm complaining and I'm not singing. I, oh, I hate this music. And, oh, the, the word was so shallow and there's no altar call. And I'm just complaining like crazy. And God said, you're so compromised. And I said, why am I compromised? I don't like that music. He says, do you sing because you like and feel the music? Or do you sing because I'm worthy to be praised? And you know, it's just like, oh gosh, I'm like, I've got 45 hairs left on my head. I wanted to pull the last 45 out. You know, and so, so, so oh, oftentimes we get some compromise. Considering the word compromise, if you go to the Webster's Dictionary, it's like two people that are on opposite ends with decisions. They come to a mutual agreement on something. It's neither one of their choice or desires, but it's like the middle road. It's called compromise. Well, compromise is completely different in Scripture. As Christians, we live in a different world with a different kingdom and different principles. And we are all at times living lives that are compromised, that literally, my friends, stop God from blessing us. And compromise is something that comes in so easy, so quick and so smooth and feels so good to the flesh that you don't even know you're compromised. You start off doing something, you get away with it, you feel okay, it hasn't changed you much, and then all of a sudden, before you know it, you're stuck in this trap. And compromise is something that I wanted to share with you tonight. In fact, it's called staying uncompromised. So important. I love the Word of God, and I love what the Bible says, and I believe what the Bible says. You know, Deborah and I, all of our lives together, and so many years of marriage and pastoring, we, won, we did one thing for sure. If the Word of God said it, we believed it, and that settled it. And that's a statement we heard from Billy Graham. God's Word said it, we believed it, and that settled it. That was the way it was. That's the way we raise our kids. That's the way we do business. It's the way we do life. It's the way we do marriage. The way we, you know, every area of our life was based on that simple principle that I heard Billy Graham speak. And it was an uncompromising life. God's word said that that's the way it's going to have to be. But all the time we have influence that comes at us differently. For an example, if you really want to know what compromise is, if you will, in a Christian setting, it would be more like this. Things to check. Uh, listen to this. A negative action brought about by fear or uncertainty. And I, I started thinking about this. A negative action, something that we do that's negative, that's brought about by fear and uncertainty. And that's different than the world's idea of compromise. Very important for us. Stop and think about this just for a moment. Every great person in the Bible, every successful, every blessed person, every person that was ever in Scripture that was mighty, was, had one characteristic for sure that was just threaded through their life. They lived a life that was uncompromised with God. Yeah, right. Stop and think about Joseph. Could he have compromised in his situation? with all the pressures of Egypt on him, yet he didn't compromise. Stop and think about, if you will, David, how easily it would have been with Saul trying to kill him and, and wipe out his life, and everything could easily have been compromised, but he didn't compromise. That made him so special. 
Peter, James, John. How about Jesus? Uncompromised in what he, he could have compromised so easy and just gone with the flow of what everybody was thinking and doing, but he didn't. He was different. And when you live a Christian life that is uncompromised, you will be very strange, very weird to the people around you. But boy, you are so blessed by God. There's this one lady in scripture that always has impressed Deborah and I. If I can share her name is Rahab. She was a hoe or a harlot. She was actually the madam, a prostitute. She was not a Jew whatsoever. She had nothing to do. In fact, Judah wasn't even created at that time. She was not a Hebrew at that time at all. She was like a foreigner, unacceptable. But she heard about the God of Israel and she poured her whole life on the line, whole life, her family's life and everything, this little uh, hoe uh, in, in Jericho and gave everything to a God she never knew anything about, never had a book, never had anybody teach her, never had a childhood, but she was uncompromised. And when they came looking for the spies that were in the land and she was hiding them, she stood strong. She could have compromised for her own safety. She could have compromised for her own security, but she stood strong. She was fearless. And did you know this, which is so amazing, get this, in the bloodline of Jesus, is that harlot. Can you imagine such a thing? What an honor that in the blood, she was like the great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus. You gotta be kidding me. Uncompromised lifestyle is what God's calling for. You say, well, Pastor Jim, that's a radical lifestyle. I mean, I'll be thought of by my friends as being a fool or an idiot instead of going along with everybody else's. But I'm here to tell you something. You read scripture, you won't find anything else but a radical lifestyle. People who compromise bring failure to the world around them and failure in their life. Listen to what I'm gonna say to you now. Go back to Adam and Eve. Here they were. God told them, don't partake of the tree of knowledge of good and of evil. And they compromised in their relationship with God, didn't listen to God, and partook and destroyed the future of mankind. Everything around them defeated, everything destroyed, all because of the word compromise. And every day you will be challenged to be compromised in your walk with Jesus until you get old enough and you don't take any more breaths on this planet. Every day something will come along. Just like in my life, I'm sitting there not singing because I didn't like the music in that church, just thinking about all that. And God said, you're so compromised. You don't worship because of the music or it feels good. You worship because I'm worthy to be worshiped. And I think, man, how many times do we stop in our walk with God based on what we feel and what we think, which is compromised, instead of who he is and what he does? Anybody listening tonight? So important for us. So in my time with God about the subject, I started thinking about this. And these are things to check to make sure you're not compromised. Let me, you ought to write this down because it's pretty good. I'm gonna give you four simple things to check in your life to make sure that you're not compromised. <clears throat> Did you know that every person that starts off getting born again, giving God all of their heart and all of their life is a pure relationship with God. And from that point on, the attack is to get them to be compromised in that commitment to Christ. 
The attack wants to stop them and keep them from being all they do. Like for an example, I'll see people get saved in church and then all of a sudden we'll find them, they're in church and they're so excited, they're so alive, their families are saved, their people are saved. I remember one woman came and got saved, she brought her family that Sunday, 14 other people from her family got saved. They're not in church at all today. Why? Because somewhere along the line, here comes compromise that gets them away from that commitment that they made to Christ. So many times we'll see people that come to church two, three, four times. We used to have 11 services a week, but four times a week, the church, they were always in church. And all of a sudden something started happening. They come three times and then two times and then one time and then you don't see them at all after a while. Why? Because a spirit of compromise just got in and caused them to be less than what their commitment was. That's the whole thing. If he can't stop you to go to heaven, he can at least cause you to be impotent while you're here on the earth, never doing anything for Christ. Are you listening to me? So everything is all about this compromised lifestyle. And we see that the people that are successful live this compromise, uncompromised lifestyle. The people that are unsuccessful didn't live a compromised lifestyle. Four quick things this night, and you can write them down simple. And it's a real thing. It's something that I live my life by. And oftentimes I have to check myself all the time. And that's number one. Number one is to check yourself. Nobody else can check you. Nobody else can judge you. Nobody else knows where you're at. But the moment you start thinking you're okay is probably the first step backwards. Because there's always more of God. And nobody's got, there's always, I mean, I've been preaching the gospel for some 45 years. And I'm here to tell you something, there's always more of God. There's more than what I know and what I've done. And where I'm at is not good enough for where God wants me to be tomorrow. And so I have to check myself on a constant basis. What am I doing? Where am I going? Where was I most excited? Where was I the closest to God? I find people oftentimes saying, man, when I came into church every week, I was the closest to God. I should get back. I should get back. I ran into a guy just the other day, and he said, man, I was never so filled with the things of God and so excited about the future. Like we talked about tonight, hope. We sang that song about hope. He said, I had so much hope. He says, Pastor, I just got to get back. I got to get back. I said, well, what's stopping you? He says, I don't know. Well, it's compromise. You listen to your flesh more than you, your spirit. You're, you're, you listen to that comfort zone more than your spirit. It's hard to get up maybe on that particular day. You stop and you start to compromise what your feelings are become more important than what you know to do. I invited him. I said, come back to church. Sit with me on the front row. He said, you would do that? I said, of course, sit with me in the front row. Any usher stop you, just tell them that you're going to slap them. And, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, and so, but he never showed up because his compromised lifestyle had gotten him out of the routine of being strong and healthy with God. Same attacks coming your way. The same attack's going to try to drive you away from God. The same attack will get you to be complacent and compromised in your walk, your faith, and in your love. And you gotta check yourself to make sure you're okay. Am I getting around the people who I need to be around? I don't know about you, but I love church. Here's why I love church, because I need to be with people that are full of faith. 
I need to raise my hands. I need to sing the songs. I need to hear about Jesus. I need to walk in faith. I need to learn something. I need to get something. And oftentimes we put ourselves in a place where we're around people that are not, you know, godly. I remember hearing one couple say not too long ago, you know, Pastor Jim, why are you always talking about God? Everything is God. Everything is the Word. Everything is Jesus. Do you guys live any other kind of life? I said, is there a life for real outside of Jesus? Let's be honest with each other. You want the way, the truth, and the life? It's found in Jesus. It's not found in less Jesus. It's found in more Jesus. And people who start to think that way start to become very compromised in their relationship with God. And they find themselves on the outs later on, wondering what happened. Why am I not being blessed? Why are my prayers not being answered? I know, does God stop loving you? No, he never stops loving you. Even though your relationship with him stinks, he never stops loving you. He's never gonna stop loving you, but he's not gonna support you in your sin or your compromise. Anybody listening tonight? So you gotta check yourself out. <clears throat> I like what Galatians says in the sixth chapter in verse number four. Galatians, go there with me. We're talking about checking yourself out. Listen to what the Bible says. Galatians, the sixth chapter. But let everyone examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. <clears throat> I thought, well, what if I examine myself and I'm not too happy with myself? Then you'd change. So he says, examine yourself and you'll have rejoicing. You know why? Because when you examine yourself, you can make the corrections. And the corrections bring you to a place of rejoicing. But if you just ignore the fact that you're becoming complacent and think that life's just going to go on, that's not gonna ever take place where you're rejoicing in yourself alone and not in others. So today, first thing you have to do is you have to stop every now and then and check yourself out. Just simply get with God, say, God, where am I? Or how about this, well, evaluate your life. Am I hungry as like I used to be? Am I going to church? Am I singing songs? Or I'm waiting for the people on the platform to entertain me or to get me into a mood? Or do I get in that mood because God's worth getting into the mood for? You know, do I come to hear the word of God? So you gotta ask yourself from time to time, where really are you? I mean, stop and think about this. So many times, if you don't check yourself, who's gonna check you? You know, you're gonna let somebody else check you? Then they're judging you and you don't want that. And you'd be mad at them. Nobody has the right to check you but yourself. But you gotta do it. And when you check and find out that you're not where you should be, that's when you make the changes so you can rejoice. Is anybody listening? Number one, everybody say this out loud. Check yourself. So good. Number two, I love this. Check your faith. If you're going to be in a lifestyle <clears throat> that is, is, is a, a lifestyle of uncompromised living for Christ, you're going to have to check your faith. Because the Bible tells us in Hebrews, the 11th chapter, verse number six, there is no other way to please God but by faith. And he that comes to God must believe that he is, is what? God. 
And he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, the Bible says. So you've got to check your faith because oftentimes in order to stay uncompromised, you're going to have to do things based on what you f not feel, but what you know. You know God's great. You know God's marvelous. And compromise means you'll be out on a limb and you're going to be afraid out on a limb. Like if I fall, I'm going to break my arms and my legs. I'm out on this limb. I'm going to lose everything. Remember, that's fear and uncertainty that we talked about earlier. Years back when Deborah and I were traveling a lot, we preached 45 times <clears throat> one time in Africa. And... Uh, one of the days we were there, we weren't preaching, so they had, the people that hosted us set us up for a safari, which was really cool. I don't even remember what country, because we were in so many countries. Went on this safari, and in the distance of a tree, this guide had spotted, stopped a vehicle, and he spotted, and there was a leopard up on a branch, all by himself, on the, on the end of a branch. And he's there looking around, swatting flies, and he's not having a problem. If you'd take me on the end of that branch, I'd have been afraid to fall. I would have had uncertainty about my future. But that leopard had certainty because he knew that if he fell, he would land on his feet. Because he has that cat kind of a balance. Wouldn't be a problem for him to even jump from the end of that limb. For me and for you, it'd be a different story. He had no fear because he had faith in his ability. Even if the limb broke, he would still be okay. My friends, let me just say it like this to us. We oftentimes are going to, by faith, be out on a limb. We have to know and we have to trust that God's going to catch us if anything happens. Even if things go wrong, God promises to take care of you and catch you and hold you up. We ought to be more secure in times where uncertainty than that leopard was on that end of a limb. And you and I, oftentimes when uncertainties come in and fear comes in, we compromise our relationship with God. You can't fail because God can't fail. And God's on your side. He wants to take care of you. So it's very important to see that from time to time, we check our faith. In James, the first chapter, I think it's verses, you ought to read it, six through eight. <clears throat> it makes it very clear that a man who needs wisdom ought to ask God. And then he says these things. If you ask God for something, don't be like uh, a doubting person. He says, don't be like the waves of the ocean that are driven by the wind. He says, but be someone who's in faith. And he makes a statement in James that's really interesting. He says, those that are double-minded, those that are not in faith, don't let them think they're going to get anything. What did he just say? God won't back you if you're double-minded and if you're out of faith. And so it's very important for you and I to maintain a relationship with God that is so stable and so strong that we stay in this uh, wonderful position that God has allowed us and placed us to be in, a place of uncompromising lifestyle. Number two, let's say it out loud, is check your faith. Come on, one more time. 
check your faith. Here's the third thing God told me to share with you, and I think it's fascinating. In fact, before I go to number three, can I give you a great verse for number two? So mentally back me up, back up your minds, and let's go back to checking faith. Is that okay? And because this verse just popped out at me uh, earlier today, and I didn't think about it until I read it. I thought, man, that's such a great verse. 2 Corinthians 13, chapter verse number five. Remember, we're back on number two before I give you number three. Back on number two, check your faith. It says this in verse number five. Examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. I don't say you're in Christ. Of course you're born again. You're in Christ. But you can be in Christ and not be in faith and be in your flesh. Is anybody listening? And that's compromised and that brings failure. And faith, test yourself. So here God makes it very clear. I love this. Test you. Do not you know yourself in Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified. So this is a powerful verse for all of us, not only to check ourselves, but he also says, point number two, check your faith. Here's point number three. I love this. Check the timing. Check your timing. Because not everything is done immediately. The results that you're looking for may take a lifetime, but they'll come. I remember as a young man, if I could use this as an example, Debbie and I were first married. I was in my early 30s. Debbie was in her 20s. And we believed God for everything in those days. And we made a book that says, we called it our faith book. And we wrote down everything in that faith book. We needed a house. We didn't have a house. We wanted a car. We didn't have a car. I wanted a truck, a pickup truck. I want all these things. I needed these things. I wanted my business and all those kind of things to work and take take on things. I wasn't even pastoring at that time. Made a list, and one of the things in the list was a motor home. You've heard me tell this story before. And uh, then we went out in a motor home. Took our kids, they screamed and yelled. Jessica was nuts in a motor home. It's just how young she was at the time. We just pick her up, she screamed every time a truck went by. It was like the most miserable experience of our entire life was a motorhome. We ran back to our book of faith that we wrote everything down to believe God for. We even cut out pictures of stuff. The picture of the motorhome, we grabbed it, we crumbled it, we threw it away. And we said, God, we don't want a motorhome. I mean, I was like the guy that, that said, remember uh, whatever his name was that, uh, that had that RV movie? when the poop went all over him and everything. Uh, I remember in that motorhome trip, we were in Oregon, and, and the motorhome had a full tank uh, of waste tank, and it fell off in U Eugene, Oregon, in the middle of town. The tank broke, and all the poop went all over everybody behind us. True story. 
And these people are coming up in front of me, yelling and screaming, giving me the finger. I'm going to Deborah. What are they doing? They're wanting to fight me. They're yelling at me. They're cussing at me. What's going on? I finally found out it was the motorhome waste tank that fell off and broke in a million pieces and scattered everything all over everybody. I hated motorhomes. <laughs> then we retired, and our friends, the Beckers, took us on a motorhome trip with them. We just had a great time. We ended up buying a little motorhome, you know, in a little 36-foot A-class. And we, a uh, dozen years old, and fixed it up a little bit. And Mama and I are in it. And we're in the time of our life. What am I saying? Even what we prayed when we didn't want it way back when came to pass and became a blessing in our lives. I'm telling you, don't put a time on God. When you put a time on God, you're saying, time is more important than you. Have you ever been in a place that if you don't do this today, you're gonna lose it? Good. Because God's got something better for you tomorrow. But man, that takes faith. Well, I really want it. Yeah, but guess what? If you say, I'm going to get it, and you, you put time on it. The, see, time doesn't control God. God controls time. And when you put time on something, what you're saying is time is more important than the power of God. God controls the time. And if God didn't control the time, then time would be a greater God than, than God. Is anybody listening? So watch your timing on everything. Make sure that what you're believing God for, what you're compromised with, don't just get discouraged, ask God for stuff and get discouraged. There's a time, there's a book in the Bible, of Ecclesiastes says there's a season for everything. Season to be born, a season to die, a season for everything. And I like what Ephesians says in the first chapter, verse number 10. Let's just pop it up. It says, in a dispensation of the fullness of time, he might gather together all the things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. See, there's a timing that God has for everything, even his coming. And God has a time for you. Stop being in a rush for things. Let God be God. He'll bring what it is that you desire, what you need in the perfect timing, his timing, not just your flesh. Is anybody listening? So the third thing is check your timing. Everybody say this on three. One, two, three. Check your timing. Does anybody remember number one? Oh, number two. And number three? I like this one, number four. Here's the fourth thing God shared with me to share with you, and I think it's important. Check your thinking. In order for me to be a person that's going to be living the lifestyle that is uncompromised, I'm going to have to keep checking my thinking all the time because I forget things. We are human, and God knows we forget we forget the things that are told us. We forget what we learn. We forget the blessings that God gave to us last year. We forget the blessings and how it was that he came through for us. We forget all the time. And then what happens is we get off kilter and off course, and we find ourselves walking in an uncompromised position. I have to remember something. One of the most important things I have to remember, it's not my ability that's going to get life done. It's his anointing that breaks through. Is anybody listening? In other words, I remember these words, and you ought to write this down. In your weakness, God, he is made strong. 
I had to remember that all the time. Check my thinking. Here's my thinking. I can't do this, God. Here's my thinking. God, I don't have the ability. God, I'm not smart enough. I can't get that job. I can't pay those bills. I can't have that car. I can't do that home. I can't make business work. I can't make life work. I can't handle the kids. I can't make a marriage work. I can't. You can't, but God in you can. In fact, it says this, and we forget it all the time. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible in 2 Corinthians. If you will, just put it up, 12th chapter, starting verse number 9. It says, and he said to me, this is Paul writing. Paul the apostle is writing. This is God speaking to Paul. Paul writes it down. And he says this, my grace is sufficient for you. He's asked God, God, help me through this problem. And God says, hey, I'm not helping you through the problem. That's not the answer. The answer is that I'm here to overcome the problem. I'll take care of the problem. I'll get you through it. I won't leave you in it. My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities or weakness, that's what the word means, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. We forget that every day. Every day you judge tomorrow by what your ability is instead of what God's ability is. Are you following me? You judge tomorrow about what you can accomplish. You judge tomorrow by what you have in the bank. You judge tomorrow about what you can fulfill and your abilities. Stop looking at tomorrow through your abilities. Change your thinking that in your lack of ability, his ability kicks in and gets the job done. Man, now you have God's ability working for you. So powerful, so wonderful. Four things. Number one, everybody shout it out. I need to check myself. Number two, I need to check my faith. Number three, I need to, watch this, check my timing. Number four, I need to check my thinking. If God spoke to you tonight, come on, give the Lord a great big praise. You hear that? Ain't God good? Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.